This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Good afternoon today. That introduction was only partially true because it's the word to stand on for life with Paula, who is live in studio with me on the date day edition of the program. We'd love to have your calls and questions, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions, 340-9585 if you're outside the local uh, San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, at 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Uh, you can also use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app and send in your questions. That way, if you are driving in your car, the sa- and we've been on the roads today, so it's a little crazy out there, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Uh, you can use the hands-free feature of your phone. Just hit one button, call now, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you, sweetie. What's up? Well, you know... I'm at home listening to the show, and I'm getting questions on my day off from the people already setting me up for when when she comes in, what's she going to say about this or what's she going to say about that? So what last week is, does Paula always submit to you? Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And then this week is, um, what was it? Uh, Do I mind that you hug women? No. There's some, <laughs> I mean, it's just, well, you know, I can kind of understand. I was trying to pray from a, a perspective of grace and, and mercy and stuff and understanding because we did have a lady a, a long time ago who came here. And I remember she came to you and, and was quite upset because, you know, the women on the worship team, uh, we were dressed inappropriately, per, per her words. And... Um, you know, and you're like, what? My wife asked, "What is this appropriate before she leaves the house?" You know, because not so much for the for the shortness of my skirt or anything like that, but you have you're the style king of our family. Do these shoes go with this dress? <laughs> Does this top go with these pants? And you know, so um, so I have to ask you, um, is it is it age appropriate? You know, um, I, I don't ever recall wearing anything that was too revealing. But this lady had an issue because my my dress wasn't like below the knee, mid calf yeah. or longer, and um, you know, come to find out, she had a husband who was um, addicted to pornography, and so you know, she didn't want us up there, who, you know, being used by the Lord, not anything to do with anything sexual, would cause her husband to stumble. We would have had to wear like gunny sacks or something. Um, yeah, but, so. but see, Paula, that's the same ugly legalism um, that that motivates the question about why am I hugging uh, other women and uh, not avoiding the appearance of evil. I mean, it, it it is a frightening thing to me that Christians who who it is for freedom we've been set free. We're to enjoy our walk. And I, I just can, I can only imagine somebody coming into church, sitting there, a Bible study is about to take place. The room is full of people that love the Lord and they're having a great time. Mm-hmm. Sunday's a fun day around here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they don't hear anything that the Lord wants to say to them through the Bible study because they're thinking, they're, Pastor Ron, hug a woman, it's not his wife. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's, that's not avoiding the appearance of evil. Mm-hmm. It, and it, it, it absolutely amazes me that there are people who still walk in church 
with that mindset. Now, I understand people come from different backgrounds, and there's churches where they have to have dresses to the floor and, you know, um, um, you know, don't talk to women, don't do... Mm. But, but, you know, that's not Jesus' church. That's Satan's church. Yeah. And uh, it's just one of those things. So, um, on the record, you can say it doesn't bother you that I mean, I hug everybody. It's not just yeah, women. Yeah, it's not just women. You I'm hug probably, everybody. Yeah. You probably are a little more affectionate with some of the guys than you are with some of the women. Um, and what I have learned over these many, many years, same kind of same thing. Like, there's some ladies who have are so hurting, you know, um, that when you hug them, you can tell something's going on, something's wrong, and they need that hug. They need to know somebody's going to love them today kind of a thing. Um, the men are the same way. And that's whether I'm hugging a woman or a man or you're hugging a woman or a man. Um, you can just – I read something, I don't know how many years ago, that for a person's mental and physical health, we need like 12 hugs a day. Yeah. And back in your jerky days – so I would have each son give me six hugs. Yeah, so I, I'd be mentally and spiritually all right, so I wouldn't kill anybody. But, yeah, no, we all need affection. The human touch, like you were saying yesterday, is so important. But uh, our hugs are acknowledging, you know, I see you and my arms. We prayed this many years ago, too, that our arms, our hands would be Jesus's arms and hands reaching out to the lost, the hurting, the hungry, the broken, the needy and the confused. Even those who think they're well still need a touch from somebody. So, yeah, that's a sad that was a sad question for me as well. And only thing I could think of is maybe they know of somebody who was tripped up because that person was too their mind wasn't right. Yeah, I had so, a question on the program middle of last year. I remember that that somebody um, um, said uh, uh, it was a woman writing in because her husband is distracted by the, the people in church who are wearing things that are too revealing and, and uh, you know, that's not fair to me or to my husband kind of thing. What should I do? And I told her that what she needs to do is deal with her husband and um, get her mind out of the gutter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 I realize there's a lot of pain in people's lives, but the, the remedy for pain is not rules. The remedy for pain is not looking out and making judgments about other people. The remedy for pain is to take it to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I refuse to let my joy... Uh, in, in being a pastor, um, uh, being involved in so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I refuse to let that joy be stolen from me. I'm just not going to let it happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just something I have to deal with. I, I, I've been warned against the kids coming up and hugging me. I've got more kids coming hugging me, you know, at church than than probably anybody else. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you got to watch yourself. You know, what you never know what's going to happen. These kids might make false accusations. I absolutely just refuse to worry about that kind of stuff. God knows my heart. Um, you know, today is our grandson's 17th birthday mm-hmm. in, in our first grandson uh, in California. Uh, I can't imagine not hugging him if I had the opportunity. And a lot of these people, because we're crowded, there's so many people here, um, I only get to see once a week up face. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm blind. I can't see them out in the, in the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, I tell people, if you're here, you need to come and get in my face and let me know you're here so mm-hmm. I can give you a hug. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a very important part of our ministry here. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are um, insecure. And so... Um, Maybe that's maybe that's it. Oh, he's hugging that person, but he didn't hug me. Or I don't know. Or yeah, yeah. Just they don't know their value. Yeah, you know, Paul. It's interesting. I have to come in the back door. Mm-hmm. Uh, my office here is um, there's a back door entrance, and it goes out into the sanctuary by where the stage is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to come in the back door because I can't make it in time if I come in the front door because so many people want to hug me and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm the, a, a hugger so, so I want to hug them and greet them and there are actually times if I'm in a hurry or if there's somebody that I really want to see 
you can see people and I can't see them. And so you'll say, well, so-and-so is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Dr. Gall and, and, and Laureen, mm-hmm. especially, I want to see him. And he can't always get to the front, so I want to go back. But if I walk past people down the hallway and don't hug them, mm-hmm. they think, is Pastor Ron mad at me? You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I want that reputation. I want to be known as somebody who's generous in loving the, the body here. It's part of what we do. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a, an, another subject that, that flows off of this, Paula. Um, you remember the pastors who, when we were just getting started, would tell us, don't get involved with your body. Mm-hmm. You know, um, keep a distance. You're the pastor and mm-hmm. keep a distance. And I thought, well, where is that written? I mean, that makes no sense at all. Yeah. And uh, I just don't want to be that kind of a pastor. Good. Me either, because it wouldn't work. Because if you came in the back door and then just stood at the pulpit and did your talking stuff and then went out the back door, it's like, that's not going to work for me. I remember a, a, <laughs> a man who's now a friend of mine, but um, trying to talk to him as a young Christian about a decision to go to Bible college. And I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't make an appointment. The secretary wouldn't let me make an appointment with him. Uh, she kept saying, well, just see him at church, after church. He's always there. And and my, my thought was, well, he's not there. He's on the stage. He appears just before he starts teaching. And then he leaves the, the, the stage and takes the exit that way. And I just thought, you know, I, I don't want to be that kind of pastor. If I don't know the people, it still bothers me when people come up and, and I don't know them and I don't know their stories. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, don't, I just don't think churches were ever intended to be that big yeah. to where we don't know people. And again, it's impossible. We have a lot of people who come here, so it's not uh, possible to know everybody intimately. But the commitment I made to the Lord a long time ago and the commitment that you and I have made to each other but also to the church mm-hmm. is that um, we will go in as deep into the people's hearts as they allow us to. And the people that open their hearts, they're family. And the people that don't, we wish they were. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way it's always been. Yeah, That's cool. I I just am thinking of Jesus when he told the disciples, "Uh, don't keep the little kids from coming to me. They knew he he was welcoming. Mm -hmm. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And by and large, that's who comes through these doors. Mm-hmm. The the weary, you know, they all have a story. We don't know all of the backstory, but people are the way they are for a reason. They all have a story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the little kids are the ones that get me, so they're what I'm most comfortable around. <laughs> like I accidentally dyed my hair red a couple of weeks ago. I mean, no, no, it no. wasn't red. It yeah. was like. Red. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like pomegranate red. Yeah, I mean, it was red, red. It was. And, you know, I love these kids. They're like, ooh, Mama Paula, you're on fire. <laughs> 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 so even if I couldn't hang out with the adults who were like, oh, age inappropriate, I could hang with the kids that, that day for a while. So it was cute. Mama Paula, you on fire. We want to be on fire like you, Mama Paula. The kids like taking their pictures with you and oh, stuff I like know. that and matching yeah. clothes yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. You I, wear I, the same size as most of the kids. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I could be in kindergarten, but Kenyatta won't let me. I'm a distraction. <laughs> hey, before we change gears here. Okay. Uh, we'd love your live calls today. If you have questions or comments or uh, anything that's on your heart, 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. Paula? Yeah. I, I was going to say our women's retreat is coming up. I'm just giving everybody a heads up. Registration will start on the 19th. Um, you can register online, but you have to you know, send in a check or whatever. Whatever uh, arrangement you are going to stay in um but yeah you can start registering online or here at the church um and the the smaller rooms go quite quickly so the smaller you mean single or double rooms there's no single and doubles there's either uh five and six oh yeah three and four or in five and six and then there's bunks and this they're all every room has a bunk in it so somebody's going to sleep on the top bunk in in my room that's me because, you know, trying to be a servant, Pastor Ron. <laughs> 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 Pastor 
pray for the old ladies, you know, trip and fall down in one of these days. But, yeah, no. Um, so, but I'm excited. And then our guest speaker, uh, she let me know that she's, she's still going to be here. So, yeah, Mercedes Miller, keep her in prayer, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that might be something we're going to talk about one day. One day after yeah. our yeah, After the review, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're talking about um, does Paula always submit to you? Well, eventually. No, let me. I want to make sure the air is clear. Yeah. I would never talk about that. That was a question. Yeah, that was that a was question. Not. Yes, yes, yes. That was a question. But um, you in Luke on Sunday, you were talking about uh, God prepares us for what's coming. All we have to do is submit to His training, um, and we will be prepared. But if you want to go to. The Hitchjig, we could talk about that in a minute. Go to the what? To the phone lines. Okay. Hoochajiggy. Whatchamacallit. We've got Jeff on line one from San Antonio. Jeff, thanks for calling. You're on the air. I'm calling to talk to someone that's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> She's here. I'll just butt out of your conversation. Oh, my goodness. Just Jeff. don't hug her, Jeff. That might make you uncomfortable. <laughs> Is it okay for me to call on date day? Because I am a man. Oh, it's perfectly. <laughs> That's what he said. It was the ladies' call on on the times when I'm not here. But you know what I was thinking is um, they are calling because they want a man who is a godly man who will lead them to Jesus, who will love them the way Amen. Christ loved the church. And then the men call on this day because they want to make sure Pastor Ron is on his job. <laughs> <laughs> Mama Paula, I got a hug story for you. So oh, a couple weeks ago, uh, a couple weeks ago, I stopped at Pastor Pastor Rander Draper's church. I, I was up that way for work, and I said, "Let me just pull into the parking lot." He's probably not even here. But I went into the office. It was around eleven o'clock. The secretary looked at me. She said, "Can I help you?" I said, "Yes." I'm wondering if the pastor Pastor Rander's here. Uh, what's, do you have some business with him? I said, yes, please just let him know that I, there's a man out here that want to get, wants to give him a hug. And she looked at me and she said, okay. So she called <laughs> and she said, he'll be out in a few minutes. So he came out and, and looked at me and I told him, I said, Pastor, I, Rander, I listen to you almost every day on the radio. I shout with you at like from between 5 and 5.30. And I just want to give you a hug, man. I just want to give you a holy hug. And he was so tickled by that. So we hugged each other, and then he gave me another hug. He said, you know, you, got, you need one for the road, brother. So, yeah, was, yeah. you know, and I need one to say goodbye. So it's like three hugs. See, you know? there you go. I'm telling you, it's a healthy thing. Uh-huh. It's he, he a is, very he, healthy he, thing. Yeah. yeah, Jeff, he is a really, really good guy. I mean, he is, uh, uh, he lights up a room. He's He's like Paula. Um, that when uh, or any room they walk into gets brighter instantly. I just absolutely love the guy. Mm-hmm. Amen. But uh, one other thing, I wonder if you would talk about a little bit, uh, Pastor Ron, in your study last night, um, Isaiah sixty four four, when you, you brought up our our lack of patience as a you know as a church, and you know we live in a culture now that's just really basically intolerant, oversensitive, impatient, and there's no virtue of long-suffering anymore. And long-suffering was supposed to be a, you know, a gift to the Christian. And and that, I just, there was a, oh, the, the whole Isaiah from like 52 on, all those studies have just been wonderful. Um, but but particularly, would you, would you uh, talk about that verse a little bit and talk about waiting for him? Yeah, I will, Jeff. Thank, thanks very much. You know, one of the the, the the real difficulties the the things that I see lacking in people's walk is the power of God. You know, we kind of get through life like we're just sort of doing what's expected of us, and uh, Christians who have this infinite power available to them every minute of every day. Uh, it's it's like um, if you've ever lit a firecracker, and I used to be kind of a rowdy kid, so we'd throw firecrackers and cherry bombs and things like that. But but there were a lot of them that were duds. And they just kind of fizzle out and nothing would happen. Go, oh, I get all excitement ready. And, and then it'd be just a disappointment. Uh, our Christian walks are like that, Jeff. 
and uh, you see people walking around uh, a little boy in in the office just before church or before the program today we always have a bunch of kids from the school come in and pray for for me for the program for you the listening audience and so uh, they come up one by one give me a hug and finally this one little boy who uh, I've known his whole life of course he gave me a guy whispering and he says so how are you doing today and he said stressed and I said stressed what are you stressed about and he, third grade? and he went on and told me this story. You know, well, we, I've got homework, but I don't know if I have homework. And i got basketball practice, and I, and I I need to know when to schedule the homework. And the teacher won't tell me yet. And I just thought, well, chill out, chill out. And I, I use that example because a lot of us as adults are doing the same thing. And the power of God, uh, verse 4 in Isaiah 64 says, um, No eye is seen. Um, God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And we're always trying to push that panic button. We're trying to make God move on our timetable. And he just doesn't do that. I think too often we get uh, to that place where we want to see the power of God in our lives and he doesn't move quickly enough so we take over. And those are the people that don't get to experience the hand of God Um, the power of God in and through their lives. And, you know, we've been trying to teach people here, Jeff, at Calvary Chapel is that we wait on the Lord. What we do, we make sure we're doing in the power of the Spirit. We make sure we're doing in the will of God. And don't let anybody pressure you. Don't let your flesh pressure you or circumstances pressure you to do something before it's time. Just be with Jesus, and you're going to see the hand of God move in and through your lives over and over and over. So, um, unfortunately, we just don't do that in our church culture. What I said about this particular verse was, I think, um, while this is a, a very Jewish verse in context, uh, I said, I think there's a gentle rebuke for those of us who are believers some 2,000 years after Christ, uh, because uh, we're unwilling to wait. We're the, I want it now and I want it my way generations, plural, and um uh, that's just not ever the way that we can receive anything from the Lord at all. And that's that patience. You know, Paul talked about suffering in his letter to the Philippians. He says, it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ to share in, his fellow, or share in the fellowship of his sufferings. These things, the trials, the tests have been granted to us. We need them so that we can sit, wait, and watch what Jesus is going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like you said that he works. He works for those who wait. So instead of us taking stuff into our own hands, if we would just wait, then we wouldn't be like the Book of Judges. I'm finishing the Book of Judges on Monday. Oh, purpose. <laughs> Nineteen, twenty, and twenty-one, because they just they had no king. They had a king, but they didn't want him to be a king, and. Uh, yeah, they just took matters into their own hands, and what a mess. And haven't we all been guilty of taking matters into our own hands? And, and the Lord will just sit over in the corner and wait for us to wait for him so we stop making the messes. But, yeah, that he wants to show himself strong on our behalf if we will just wait. I think that's the way you could summarize those three chapters in the book of Judges. Okay, then I'll say, okay, how many questions you got? Let's pray. Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> Being in the book of Judges, is it's rough, but, I mean, it does show us our own tendencies, you know. See, it's interesting to me because when you, you were talking about teaching Judges, mm-hmm. my response to you is, I think that's the most fun book in the Bible to teach. Mm-hmm. And then this whole, not the whole time, Pastor Ron, but for a lot of it, I've been like, I am just, I'm not going to pay attention to Pastor Ron <laughs> next time. I'm going to pray and ask the Lord, what book next? No, no, the the, the character studies have been good because it's, so it's, it's showing us who we really are. And, you know, that word I say quite often, I like conviction because I want to be changed, but... Ooh, I'd be glad when Judges is done. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you get to the last three chapters, because they're, they're out of chrono- chronology, mm-hmm. so uh, it, it makes it look like, oh, there's more junk yeah. after chapter 18. But, but it just, it, it's just sort of uh, an out-of-order addendum to the book that shows you just how horrible 
the conditions were, how how evil men's hearts were mm-hmm. when we do what we want. And 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 maybe you can use this, Paul, on on Monday night. But talk slow, is, so I can write it down. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it just uh, those three chapters um, demonstrate where our hearts are right now. Now, we, we think about the crime there, and we think about the brutality and how awful that is, mm-hmm. but we live in a world mm-hmm. where um, um, horrible, lewd things are done in public at a gay pride parade. Uh, we, we, we watch children being taken into slavery all over the world. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that, but that's what happens. It's always what happens when men do what seems right to them instead of do what seems right to the Lord. Boy, that half hour went fast. I thought we had more time. We would love your live calls and questions at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-5757. You're listening to the Date Day edition of the Word to Send Them for Life. We'll be back in two minutes. If you have questions about the Bible, you can send them to Pastor Ron and he'll answer them on the air or reply directly to you. Email your questions to PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our program, 340-9585. Paul just said, I hope people call because I know I have a lot I want to talk about. I'm not sure. But, Paul, you got another half hour, so it's... I better do something, right? Your show. <laughs> Uh, last night, because, you know, I tell you, I like conviction. Well, last night's study was, as Jeff was saying, talking about it, the, the GPS voice, the way to come back home and direction. I've been praying, Lord, you know, there's, there's a ministry you want me to go into, but since I've been reading the book of Judges, okay, um, you know, they had heard, okay, go, and they went, but they didn't wait for directions. In the end, this is in the end. Um, and so I've been saying, okay, Lord, I need directions. So I come to church last night because, you know, you don't practice on me what you're going to be teaching. I hear it the first time when the other people do. And so you were talking. Wouldn't that be cruel and unusual punishment? If I made you sit down in our living room and said, okay, Paula, you're my audience. I'm going to preach this message. Yeah, yeah. You better pay attention, too. And when you get to church, yeah. you better be the best pastor's wife ever, right? Yeah. And, 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 and I opened my notes. Uh-huh. Uh, when I get the pulpit, and it all changes anyway, because it's just whatever the Lord really wants to do, so I wouldn't be able to do that. Before you get started, okay. rather than keep somebody on hold, let's go to Debbie on line one. Debbie, thank you so much for calling. You are on the air. Yes, Pastor Ron, I enjoy listening to you almost every afternoon after I get home from work. And uh, I have a question. Besides the verse that says, um, uh, oh, I just forgot <laughs> I don't remember where it's found, but it says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes mm-hmm. to the Father but by me. Uh, what else could I share? I have a couple of ladies that say they're Christians, but they believe there's many ways to God. And I have used that verse and uh, would like to know what else I could share with them. Well, um, Debbie, that's a, that's a hard question. You know, when Jesus is speaking, that's John chapter 14. And when he says, uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, um, um, that's as definitive a statement as there can possibly be. And and the issue here, and I, I'm not judging your friends, the people that you're talking to, but um, you cannot be a born-again Christian and have that approach. You simply can't. Um, for, for for somebody who is, it doesn't matter if they're raised in church, they think they're really good people, um, if somebody who claims to be a Christian and believe in Jesus comes to you and says, well, I think there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. People are going to go to heaven. Uh, they're not saved. It's just that simple. They, they've transformed the nature and the character of Jesus. Um, another verse that is clear, and this is Jesus' own mouth again, 
Debbie, he says, if you are not for me, you are against me. Now that, that opposition, and that's in two gospel accounts, the synoptic gospels, um, if, if that isn't clear, if you're not for me, you're against me. Uh, he says, uh, when they come to him and say, um, Lord, Lord, and he says, why do you call me Lord? And then do not do what I tell you to do. And, and they say, but we did this for you, we did this, and we did this. And he goes, depart from me, for I never knew you. And that's about as specific as it can get. And those examples come straight from the mouth of Jesus himself. Uh, over and over in the epistles, we're told that God is our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we have to come to him on his terms. So, Debbie... Um, you need to pray for your friends. I would ask them, and I would do this because they're my friends. I I do it because I love them, and I know what a difficult position I'm putting you in, even as I say it. But I would say to them, can I ask you an honest question? With this discussion that we've been having about Jesus being the only way to heaven, what makes you think that you're born again? John chapter 3, Jesus twice tells Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. He tells Nicodemus later in verse 7 that you, of all people, shouldn't be surprised that I say you must be born again. And he's talking to the most religious man in Israel at that moment. And so I would tell my friends, I would say, because I love you, I'm going to risk this friendship, but what makes you think you're born again? They don't well, believe the Bible? Well, I'm comfortable to ask them that. Okay. We've had some many discussions and um, you know one lady talked about her experience at a Billy Graham crusade uh, but she also thinks that that you know all the religions lead to God and she uh, doesn't necessarily believe when I do show her things in the Bible it's just like she has this block of instead of saying oh okay I see it (laughs) so yes I will keep praying. That verse that I first said, where is that found? I, I couldn't remember. John, John 14, 6. Okay. John 14, 6. Okay, well, but, but focus also, focus also uh, thank you, Debbie, but focus also on the on the, the conversations, and I don't have the exact address right now, but uh, focus on the conversation where Jesus said, if you're not for me, he who is not with me is against me. And and it's it's really that straightforward, and and um, and Jesus is is uh, he can't be any more clear. Uh, I think the problem is you've got a friend because she's not saved, and you described it perfectly. There's a block. That's that's a, a satanic block, and she's unwilling. And um, an experience at a Billy Graham crusade. Uh, I might also suggest Jesus's interpretation of the parable of the sower. Um, when he talks about sowing the seed of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30 is the one that I was talking about. My producer just put it up for me. Um, but uh, in the parable of the sower, he talks about that our job as Christians to sow seed. The seed is the Word of God. And and when uh, the seed falls, we just throw it and it falls on different types of soil. And, and the soil that your friend has in her heart is a really, really hard soil. So she's just not convinced that Jesus is God. Uh, if, if she is a believer in some God, then um, if Jesus proves to himself or proves to her, proves himself to her that he is God, then she needs to do what he said. And he is really, really clear about that. So uh, an experience at a Billy Graham crusade. Uh, means nothing. You come to Jesus in an emotional moment, and then you walk away. That's described perfectly in the definition of the parable of the sower. Mm -hmm. Debbie, I'll be praying for you, and thank you for your heart, for your friends, and for your courage. Uh, Not very often that I get somebody who will say to me, well, I'm not afraid to tell them that, so God bless you. Yeah, yeah. Your friends are, quote-unquote, spiritual, and Paul talks about when he went, where is Athens? I can see that you're very superstitious. You have many gods and so your friends are they have a lot of gods hoping that you know at least one of them will get them into heaven (laughs) Debbie Debbie, thanks very much let's take another call from Converse Texas now Jesse online too Jesse thank you for holding you're on the air uh, yeah, Pastor Rod, I wanted to ask you, I, I was listening to you here, um, could you tell me what that verse that you referenced uh, about that it's been uh, granted to us to suffer for uh, Christ's sake, and um, if you could just give me some direction. I, I've got a, uh, a 16-year-old, 
And uh, like you're saying, she, um, you know, she stresses and kind of, uh, you know, worries about the things that you know that she's going through schoolwork and and the things that are being put on her. So I'm just trying to you know trying to encourage her somehow. Like you're talking about, just waiting upon the Lord and and just. Um, so I was just wondering if you can maybe just again uh, some direction. I can, Jesse. Thanks very much, uh, Jesse. The best chapter in the world for her right now is Philippians chapter two, and that's where that's found. Uh, and it, it leads with Jesus setting the example for us. And then the, uh, our attitude should be the same as his. And then in the description, chapter 1, it's not chapter 2, chapter 1. Uh, chapter 2 is what I'm talking about, though, where, where Jesus is suffering. But um, uh, leading into it, remember, there's no chapter breaks in the originals. But um, at the end of chapter 1, I think he says, it has been granted unto us. And, and the, the Greek emphasis there has been granted to us like somebody giving you a gift. Imagine Jesus giving you a gift and saying, um, I have something so special for you, something that will make you more and more like me. And you open that gift, and it's called trials or suffering. And then he goes into chapter 2 where he talks about his own suffering and doing it with the heart of a servant uh, for no reason other than um, um, it pleased his father for him to do it. Uh, Jesse, it's Philippians one twenty nine, And then again, remember, no chapter and verse break. So have her start there and go all the way into chapter 2. And it's a treasure. You know, the, the Apostle Paul talks about in chapter 1 in Philippians, he talks about uh, his prison being being held in prison. That's one of the prison epistles, and and he says, you know, I know it doesn't. And I'm going to paraphrase here. It doesn't look good. You know, people are wondering, well, well, if Paul's really serving God. Why would God let him be in prison? And then he says this. He says, um, it has become clear because of my chains that the whole palace guard is aware of what's going on. The brothers in the Lord have been emboldened to declare their faith more fearlessly. And so people were getting saved because the word was getting out and Paul said, this is because of my chain. So um, tell your daughter that she's in good company if she's under a little bit of stress and some trials. But remember also that the Bible says to cast our cares on him for he cares for us. Never let her forget that. And don't let her trials become bigger than Jesus. And and typically in this world that we live in, some of the things get so overwhelming that we get so close to them that we can't even see Jesus. So I encourage her to, spiritually speaking, take a step backwards and look a little higher than the trial or the stress and instead look to Jesus. He's the one that has the answer. Mm-hmm. Jesse, thanks for calling. Jesse, I love you. You want to encourage your sweet 16-year-old daughter. You're a hero. You're my man today. I wish I could hug you. (laughs) That's that's what being a godly man is really all about, the head of the household. Thanks very much. Well, if anybody else wants to call, 340-9585. Paula, pick up where you were. Yeah, but I've been kind of in Romans a little bit, too. And this is for Jesse's daughter, maybe as well, because in Romans 5, 3 and 4, um, it says we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character. Strength is our confident hope of salvation. Jesus will come to her rescue if she would just lean into him and, mm-hmm. and wait for him to say he's he's smarter than anybody he knows the answers to the questions. And Jesse, as you do this, your daughter is going to realize the blessing of having a godly dad. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Let's now go to Bernie, Texas, and talk with Carrie on line three. Carrie, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Yes, hello, Pastor Ron. Um, I had a Hi, quick question about, um, hello, I just wanted to ask you about uh, when Jesus was baptized, um, it said that the Spirit um, came down and upon like a dove and i mm-hmm. just I, I i don't really understand that in terms of if he was born with the spirit what does it mean to have the spirit fall upon you and and i've heard other people talk about this in terms of other other christians and it might be another denomination um but i just kind of wanted to when they talk about it they talk about having gifts of the Spirit and how the Spirit mm-hmm. has to 
come down upon you. But um, but anyways, I just thought I'd let you answer that. Okay, Gary, thank you. I can do that. I'm going to separate the two parts of that question uh, because I think understanding what Jesus was uh, experiencing is important for us, but, but then the application for us in terms of, of, of gifts of the Spirit and or the power of God in the Spirit. Carrie, um, when Jesus went into the water uh, at the River Jordan, um, John looked at him and said, no, 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 it's, it's I who should be baptized by you. And I always picture Jesus <laughs> winking at him and saying, I know that, you know that, but in order to fulfill all righteousness, go ahead and baptize me. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, came down upon him in the form of a dove. It wasn't a dove. It was the appearance of a dove. And it's sort of like a coronation. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, we're going to elect a new president in, in uh, November of 2020. Um, but then in January of the following year, uh, the president is going to put his hand on a Bible and he's going to swear uh, to, um, I mean, this will only happen if it's not Trump who's reelected, um, and, and he's going to swear to uh, defend the Constitution, uphold the Constitution, and um, um, the, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court will be the one who, who does it. That's an inauguration, uh, a coronation. That's the event being recognized, the, the election determined who was going to be the next president, but until that oath was sworn, uh, he doesn't become the next president. Well, Jesus um, was a man. He was born with the unlimited resources of the Spirit. He was born without a sin nature. And yet this was the Father's way of saying to him, now your ministry begins. And that was the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit, symbolically so that others could recognize it. But, but this is the Spirit of God in his fullness coming upon Jesus. And from that point forward, Carrie, Jesus would walk uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit just like you and I have to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit every day. He was fully immersed in his humanity, his deity having been laid aside. He didn't stop being God, but Jesus walked this earth as man, and he took all of his orders by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what else is interesting to me, Carrie, about that event? The very first thing that the Holy Spirit directed him to do was to be led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan after going hungry for 40 days. You know, when Jesse asked about um, uh, Bible passages that help deal with stress and, and tension, those kind of things, and trials, um, that's a great one. Jesus comes up out of the water. His father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And you think, great, send me on vacation. Mm-hmm. Well, instead, he went to the wilderness. <laughs> and he was tempted 40 days with no food, no water. And it was only when he was at his weakest physically when Satan, the coward, came and tempted him directly. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was the first test that Jesus had to encounter. But he only could encounter it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't go up on that first mountain in the wilderness and transfigure like he did on the Mount of Transfiguration. He didn't say, do you know who I am? No, he endured it, carried the same way you would and I would. Now, for you and me, uh, it's important to understand there's three different relationships that we have with the Holy Spirit. Uh, every believer... Um, the Holy Spirit has come alongside them. That Greek word is para, P-A-R-A, and convicts us of sin and of righteousness and judgment. And it's not until the Spirit moves on our heart that we can become believers. And then when we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, I want to belong to you, that's when the Spirit comes in us. We would say in English, I-N, but the Greek word is E-N, and Jesus describes that in Ephesians chapter 1. The Spirit is given to us as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Uh, and we have as much of the Holy Spirit as we're ever going to have. We are saved. We are sealed. We are um, uh, justified. Uh, we belong to Him. But then there's a third experience all throughout the book of Acts. And that's when the Spirit comes upon us in power. Acts 5.32 Clark Carey says that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. So the trigger for this power of the Holy Spirit is obedience and the Spirit will come upon you. And we need that experience with the Spirit every day. The disciples who became apostles 
would be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled over and over and over again because they simply couldn't do the the, the great things that God was going to have them do without the power of the Spirit. Well, in the same way, Carrie, you and I, we cannot do anything apart from that power. So we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Another term is filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, but, But that power experience with God's Holy Spirit comes when we are obedient, when we step out in faith, when we um, are obedient to the calling of God. Um, If you go out tomorrow and uh, you have the opportunity to share your faith with somebody, the minute you begin in obedience to God's Word, the power of the Spirit is going to come upon you. And that's an experience that we need over and over. I think, Carrie, sometimes the confusion occurs because there are churches that teach that, well, unless you speak in tongues, you don't have the Spirit that's come upon you, or you can't have spiritual gifts unless the Spirit has come upon you. Uh, And they look at this emotional, sort of an Acts chapter 2 experience. Well, that chapter 2 experience is not normative for the Christian today. That was an inauguration event, a coronation. The church was born that day, and that was God's sign that the church was new. There was a new way of doing things. Well, in your life, when we first open our hearts to the power of the Holy Spirit and He comes upon us, there may be an emotional outburst. There may be a demonstration of gifts. Uh, It may be a very emotional experience for some, but for others, that same experience occurs in in a much more matter-of-fact way. So um, every experience is individual, um, but all you have to do to have the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you, Carrie, is obey the Lord. Can't be walking in sin. You have to be repentant for your sin. First John 1 John 1.9 says if you um, confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive you and purify you from all unrighteousness, which puts you right in the position where you're, the, the power of the Spirit can come upon you. But it's not true that if the power of the Spirit's come upon you, you're going to speak in tongues. I hope hope you will. Paul says, I would that you all spoke in tongues more than I do. However, um, not everybody has the gift of tongues. So that's that, I hope, uh, answers your question in detail. Mm-hmm. Okay, Paula. Okay, sweet. Okay, now that it's 2020, 2020, um, and, and what I was talking about is the GPS that you did last night, um, the way to come back home and the, and the come back home is to come back to Jesus. And you're talking about Acts 532, that that way is obedience. And in Isaiah 64, 5, you told us how to. And what you were saying even to Carrie was um, accepting responsibility for your sins. Um, that was number one. Uh, don't ever grow too proud to confess your sins to God and to others that you may have offended, but to God for sure. You know, as we read the Bible, um, like I say, I like conviction. There's times when he's like, you know, you're going to be telling other people this. <laughs> How about you? Is that is that a part of your walk? So be don't ever grow too proud to confess your sins. Admit you're lost because sin separates us from that power of God that we want. And then two, gladly do right. That's the verse five, because he says he welcomes those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways. Um, so if we... And I made the point last night, not begrudgingly do good. Yeah. Who gladly do who good. Who gladly, I have that big, gladly do good, then no discipline will be necessary. Um because God only disciplines us because he loves us. If he didn't discipline us, that means he didn't care. He didn't care for us. We we discipline our own kids, you know, timeouts and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Sometimes they just need spankings, but but if we will gladly do right doing God's way will his way, then there'll be no discipline necessary. And then remember God's way is mercy, grace and holiness, conviction. And um, if we remember that God's not disappointed, mad, um, or surprised by our sin, and that he really loves us, and he's, he, he welcomes those who gladly do good. So if anybody's out there and they feel like, I'm listening to a Christian radio, and they're telling me that Jesus loves me no matter what, and you guys know my jam. Jesus loves me when I'm good, when I do the things I should. And Jesus loves me when I'm bad, even though it makes him sad. But the rest of it, yes, Jesus loves me. And his arms are 
open, stretched out wide. And even if you've already blown it in 2020, it's only January 9th. You can start again. So please hear the GPS voice, the way to come back home to Jesus. Go on, Pastor Ron. Finish this out for you. <laughs> well, we're inside of two minutes now. So <laughs> let, me, let me say this. You know, one of the reasons that we lack power in our lives, earlier Jeff mentioned that we, we don't wait on the Lord. But we, we lack power because we don't know how much power is available to us. We're walking in our own strength instead of in the strength of the Lord. And obviously our power is nil when we do that. But the, but the whole idea here is to enjoy the power of God. And um, what I said last night, and I've said it many times uh, over the years, Paula, is that as the pastor of this church, the people that I love so deeply, I want every one of them to experience the power of God in their lives, the, 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 the power of God moving through their lives. Because once they experience it, they'll never settle for less again. And, and it'll be harder to turn into sin. It'll be harder to give into temptation because you'll know what you're missing. And sadly, just too many Christians, and I'm talking about real believers, don't know what they're missing, so it doesn't make that big a difference. It's like, okay, heaven, uh, my ticket to heaven is punched, and I'm going to make it, and that's that's enough. But in this world, it's going to be just drudgery and hard, and this is the way it is. And it's not supposed to be that way. It's just not supposed to be that way. Yeah, I, my life is fun. For the most part, it's fun. There's a lot of heartache and people get sick and, you know, fear comes in. But my life has meaning and purpose. And I have no, you know, like before you you do the wrong thing and guilt and condemnation. But not now. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Thank you for your calls. You've been listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4 And Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.